Shalom and welcome to Awakening Torah Musar Mindfulness with the Institute for Holiness, Hamachon Lekedusha Kihilat Musar. I am Rabbi Chasi Oriel Steinbauer. <coughs> I am doing this session live now and recording for Parashat Bo, which we um, missed last Sunday, missed last week together due to illness. Uh, I am still recovering from now bronchitis and the flu and uh, want to record this one to have it out to all of you. And uh, we will not be meeting this evening because I can't, uh, still not well enough to stay up evenings. So we will not be meeting at 3 p.m. Um Eastern Standard Time to look at uh, the next parsha, which is Beshalach. Um, but I will go ahead and record that one also. Um, but I am delighted that you are still continuing your practice and joining us. <coughs> Excuse me from time to time if I cough. Um, so much is happening right now. So um, first, I want to say that um, we always have our intention for today's practice, which I will share with you now. Um, looking for share screen, isn't that funny? Yeah, here we go. <laughs> you never know what you're going to find. Okay, I don't want this right now. Let's go to here, here we go. And then I'll share with what I feel is happening right now that we need to just briefly touch on before we go into Parashat Bo. So we are engaging in an act of radical self-care and also in the service of strengthening our relationship with the divine. So it's the first and third kavanot. And um, for the first, we say right here at the top, before doing acts of caring for the self, we say, this is something I'm doing to strengthen my own soul in order to be a benefit to others in the future. If you hear that meowing back there, <laughs> quickly, just to let you know, I have a very vocal kitten who has joined our family who likes to talk to the birds outside. The second kavana, the second intention for today's practice is before doing acts to strengthen our relationship with the divine, we say, this is something I'm doing to strengthen my relationship with the creator so that I can be a better conduit of God's good to others when they need me. So that is our kavana, our intention for today's practice. Um, <coughs> excuse me. So um, in the depths of my illness from COVID symptoms and bronchitis and the flu, which hit my whole family, and uh, we're still dealing with it and uh, attempting to heal and recover, I drafted a prayer that I want to share with you, which um, ties into the Parsha last, uh, before Bo, which is Va'era, and also Bo. And Vaera is uh, the term Sa'aka, to cry out. It's the term used for what B'nai Israel was crying out to God. Um, 
and then in Bo, we find that it's actually going to be, and, and you hear the Egyptians who are crying out at the loss of their firstborn. And it's that type of crying out um, that we, we it's, a, it's a turning towards the divine and even others, and perhaps even within ourselves, to seek compassion to seek help. And um, so um, that was what I was doing. I was crying out this past week and um, wanted to share this with you. If you don't have a chance to follow us on, on either Facebook or at our website, www.kahilatmosar.com, um, where you can follow these prayers. So this is my COVID prayer. May you be safe. May you be healed. May you recover as soon as possible. May you be free from pain. May you be free from suffering. May you receive comfort. May you receive the help you need. May you know that I hold you in my heart and will help carry you through this. May you know that you are not alone. You are so not alone. May I emulate the creator carrying the burden with you, bringing God's good and healing to all. May you know that you are loved. May you know that you are seen. May you know that you belong. So we'll carry that with us. Um, we'll carry that with us <laughs> during today's learning and practice so um i want to begin that anytime we're engaging in torah learning especially from the lens of of musar mindfulness that you want to do so in with an i don't mind i don't know mind a beginner's mind and you want to go in with a sense of anava, humility, of I have something to learn from this. I might not always be right. Um, a sense of really balanced self-esteem, self-worth. And so we enter this um, with chapter 10, Pasuktu, okay, where God says uh, God's going to be doing these miraculous signs. And uh, so that we will know Hashem. The Egyptians will know Hashem and the B'nai Israel, uh, the Jewish people, will know Hashem. And if you recall this knowing, we talked about this last time during the era and before, that to know in the biblical sense is very intimate um, it's not knowing facts in the brain. It's a form of knowing that I see you, I'm connected to you, I'm actually obligated to you. I will help carry this burden with you. 
<clears throat> excuse me. So um, as we know, miraculous signs did not work for Moshe Rabbeinu when he was called upon to help re release B'nai Israel. He, um, it's only when his brother Aharon is called to support him and to come in that um, that he finally feels enough of the support that he, whatever kaved pay and kaved halashon meant to him, heavy mouth or heavy tongue, really a form of, I don't have the self-esteem to do this job. It, he was able to garner enough courage, ometz lev, um, and a proper taking up the proper amount of space with the help of his brother, having that other human there to support him. And so you finally see God trying to rely on miracles again for people to know God. And so there might be a sense in its in its vitality and 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 the complexity of Elohim, right? Of this relationship with what is called Yod Hevavhe with Hashem that there's a knowing and there's a knowing of a certain power, um, the power of the almighty to cause plagues, to cause um, pain, damage, whatever it might be. And that is a form of knowing, but it's not the knowing that I think ultimately God wants. Uh, and that will be part of the 40 year struggle that will come with freedom and uh, we want to keep that in mind. So when um, even Paro's servants, when we get to chapter 10, Pasuk uh, 7, verse 7, even his servant, servants begin to know God on some level, get to know at least the power. When um, before the eighth plague, they say, how long are you going to continue this, Paro? Like Egypt is being destroyed. Like they are seeing it. They, they stopped drinking the, the punch <laughs> that, um, <clears throat> that they can get through this and survive it. So um, you may recall in our last session together that um, we reviewed God's compassion before the Makkah, the plague of Barad, of hail, um, that God warns Paro and the Egyptians that this is coming, this plague is coming, and they should bring in humans and animals from the outside in order to save them. And it's where we see Paro after the plague actually acknowledge that, and he actually uses the language that Adonai Sadiq, that he is righteous, he is a righteous one. Um, this act of doing what is just and right, even in acts of what I would call war or in this situation. So we witness this and, um, and then the, the second time this comes, we see, we see Paro admitting his guilt, but then of course, as quickly as he admits his guilt, he returns to his previous behavior of being stubborn and refusing to let the people go. And so it, all this is to acknowledge that we are complex also as human beings. What is this that we can learn from the Torah portion that just because uh, we know something in the present moment doesn't mean that we're going to follow through with it and be able to carry it. That is a practice. That is something that we have to cultivate and continue 
um, particularly when it is an outer source, a maka, a plague, that is causing us to temporarily change our behavior and to acknowledge something. Um, it's like a punishment, okay? And we all know that punishment and doesn't really change people and it's not an effective method, it's particularly long-term. And in fact, most people want to move to what's called aversion in both Buddhist and Jewish practice, that they want to avert, to move away from the discomfort and pain of a plague, a makkah. And this is what we see Paro doing, that he'll, he'll say, take it away, please take this death from me, which is what he does in this Parsha in Bo here when um, the locusts are there. So in response, he has this aversion. He says, take this death away from me. <laughs> and, and, you know, who can blame him, right? But um, no one's going to necessarily be um, a sadiq in, in acting out with righteousness and doing teshuva, doing the right behavior when it's in response to um, negative stimuli that we want it to go away. We're, we're very much likely to say, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Just stop it. But it's not going to change my behavior long-term. Okay. So the big issue in this, uh, in this parsha for, for a lot of our commentators and even today is um, the sense of B'nai Israel are commanded by God to go and Okay, it can mean either ask or borrow um, gold and silver from, from, and it actually says from their friends. So first I began the question, when did the Egyptians become friends of B'nai Israel? Um, these are the very people that participated in the murder of their male babies. So at some point, it seems like some friendship developed with some people. So if we look at anti-slavery movements, for instance, in the, United, in the United States, there were definitely people of white privilege who um, befriended Africans and African-Americans and Native Americans who were enslaved, among others. Um, and so we can try to imagine what's happening here. But our, our commentators get so caught up on this, including Sfarno, who is from Italy 500 years ago, and also Rabbeinu Hananel, he's from North Africa a thousand years ago. They feel like they need to deal with this issue that B'nai Israel shouldn't be borrowing something when they know they're not going to re return it. It's like a form of stealing, and that makes them deeply uncomfortable. Um, that's not my issue, and, and, and nor do I feel like that's where the commentator's issue should be. Um, I'm more interested in looking at Hashem commands this for a reason. This is, must be like part of the beginning of this, like spiritual training, a, a practice, a discipline for B'nai Israel to stretch and grow. This is part of their spiritual curriculum. So what is it for a slave to be able to leave their home on their own terms? First of all, knock on the master's door even if it's not really their own master, it's, it's that of the privileged class that has perpetuated their slavery and benefited from it. Knock on the Egyptian's door and be like, I need gold and silver. I need what you can give me. And that 
must have been extremely difficult. If you're trying to put yourself in their shoes, the slave is not used to asking for what it needs or even demanding it. Mm, we're dealing with completely not normative neighborly relations or situation. It's under duress, it's under slavery, it's under an in, a systematic institution of slavery. So the very question of lishol and is it asking or borrowing, I, I don't even think should be applied. It's not as if we're dealing with two equals who are neighbors. Um, so I'm more interested in what this does to stretch B'nai Israel, <coughs> excuse me, to be able to, um, to do this. I mean, could you just put it, put, put it in more perspective, something closer so you can actually use this as a practice and we can do it in our meditation too, but like imagine the, the African slave in the United States and, um, having to go, you know, being commanded to, to go to the house of the person, the white privilege, uh, and maybe even a master's house and being like, I need gold and silver and whatever you can give me. Um, that's, the, that's a training. There's something there, there, there's something. And this is where my, I don't know mine comes is that I don't know exactly. I just know it must've been challenging and uncomfortable for the slave. Um, and maybe even uncomfortable and challenging for the Egyptian. Um, on one hand, this is kind of seen, in, in my opinion, as a, um, restitution, like um, a form of reconciliation on the economic sense of uh, when you enslave a people, you do owe them. You owe them for their labor. You owe them for what you've stolen from them and, 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 and onward. So... Um, yeah, that, it's less of an issue for me, but you should know that our commentators address that. Um, what's finally I want to share with you before we move into our city meditation together? Ah, okay. So in B'nai Israel, after they collect the goods, um, we are introduced to the verb liskor, Zion Kafresh again, that they shall remember. And it, it's a zikaron, it's an actual remembrance. Like they're commanded that that this, what is about to happen, this exodus is going to be um, a memorial for time. And it's something they have to remember. And if you recall from last week's Parsha or what we shared together in Vaera and before, that remembering also is not like remembering facts. It's not like knowing facts, um, yeah, like yada, yudayin ayin. It's um, excuse me, yudalet ayin. Um, to remember again is this. Oh, I suddenly remember what what is obligated of me, obligated of me, and that you're a person created in the image of God, like each and every one holy soul. So it's it's this remembering. It's like bringing yourself back to your roots into your soul. So, um, and this is going to be tied to food, our greatest, one of our greatest intimacies. It's about food consumption and food restraint. You're not allowed to engage in certain foods, leaven, chametz. You will be engaging in eating matzah. And, um, 
it's it's profound. It's profound on a very deep level. Um, and the final thing I want you to know from this Parsha and Bo is that we're really moving in key, huge, um, huge divine work happening here. Like there's something very large that's moving and happening. I mean, we saw this at the beginning with Bereshit, the creation of the world, 10 generations later, dealing with Noah and in a sense of destruction of the world. Um, 10 generations, Avram emerges as this new breed, this new way of being in relationship with an individual human being and his immediate family. And now we have B'nai Israel um, coming into this world stage it's going to be a whole new way, a whole new world order. And in particular, um, you have this God that is basically going to be active in history of peoples and of a, of a people. And in particular, the rule of law will begin to emerge. We had witnessed that the vigilante was there in the earlier part of Shemot <coughs> and Vaera. And now we're moving into rule of law. But the other big theme that we are witnessing is this moving from yada, yadayin, dalet ayin, this deep, intimate knowing that also is a fear of God, which means an awareness of God and therefore morality, having a moral compass and knowing that you're obligated to others to care for them. And then moving to Zahar, Zayin, Chafresh, remembering and this constant practice of remembrance that we'll have now in Zikaron, an uh, actual memorial to constantly remember. Oh, what are we remembering? Yada. Oh, we're remembering God and we're remembering our moral compass. And then we're moving to a new stage now here in Bo, in our Parsha from two weeks ago. <laughs> Um, in Bo, we see Shin Mem Resh, Shamar, Vishmor, to observe, to protect, to obey in some sense. Um, but it's definitely more protect um, and um, to observe. Um, and it's this, this moving from, okay, I have the moral compass. Uh, the way it's worded is fear of God back in the Torah and Shemot and Vaera, then moving to Zahar, remembering, and now Shemar. And to, um, I'm going to protect this. I'm going to engage in practices commanded by God and, and, and daily spiritual practice, like our Musa, our mindfulness practice, that we will um, protect what we need to remember and what we actually know. Um, and this is not something that just, it, it, it is innate with us. It's beautiful. It's a gift given by the almighty, but we all know that throughout our practice um, and throughout our lives, so much um, gunk, like titum halev, a, a closing of the heart can happen because of all the obstacles that, that emerge through trauma through life experience. And so we have to have these practices to remove those obstacles, to protect, to remember, to know, and to allow that light to shine through. 
Um, so with that, uh, we are going to move into our uh, seated meditation. I just want to point out that in chapter 12, uh, verses 1 through 51, we have the sevenfold repetition of that verb of shen memresh, of lishmor, to protect and to um, observe. Uh, so with that, thank you for today's teaching, which I um, will just briefly say is in... Oh, so much today. I just want to pause for a minute and hold my heart. Um, today's teaching is um, dedicated very much so to um, the community that um, that um, uh, Rabbi Charlie um, Cythron Walker is the head of, he um, is the rabbi at congregation in Beth Israel in Colleyville, Texas. And uh, thank God now the situation um, has been handled, but he was taken hostage by a gunman with others uh, on Shabbat during services that were live on Zoom. And I just want us to hold them uh, in our hearts, because as we know, even though they're safe now from a gunman, they're going to have to be dealing with this trauma and um, all the intergenerational trauma that it triggers as being a Jew and to be treated as such. Uh, so it is our intention here at the Institute for Holiness, Kehilat Musar, that we dedicate today's teaching to them and um, be a part of our practice to see whatever is needed in that community to provide comfort. So may they be safe. May they be free from harm. May they be free from suffering. But now that you're ready, excuse me, <coughs> come to a seated position. Again, if you have any trauma or um, any discomfort today that you can't sit, please stand or lie down with your eyes open so you remain awake and alert. The rest of us can come to an upright seated position. Gently close your eyes if you feel safe. Otherwise, just lower your gaze. The point um, is that there are sensors in the mindfulness tradition of Buddhism that is aware that if you keep your eyes open, um, you are up to distract yourself and to cause yourself to pull yourself out of the present moment. So um, I will close my eyes for right now as I lead us, and I will take us out of this meditation with a bell. You will hear it. You can trust that it will go off eventually. And for those of you new to meditation, you're just simply allow yourself to settle and arrive. Plant your feet on the ground. For those of us suffering from 
COVID, bronchitis, the flu, or any type of virus or bacteria, and it's difficult to breathe, please allow your anchor to be the sounds around you. So what does that look like? You just notice it. No need to analyze it, think about it, create a story about the noise. Simply just keep your attention on the sounds around you with curiosity, non-judgmental awareness. Three deep breaths. <coughs> Excuse me. As we begin to settle and arrive, let's first allow our attention to see if there's anything pulling our attention away from the present moment. Any sensations in the body calling for your loving attention. Simply honor it. See if there are any thoughts that are pulling you to remember something in the past or move you into planning for the future. You can gently bow to it and say, I'll visit you later. Bring yourself back to the sounds around you. And finally, Perhaps it's strong emotions, either aversion to something that you're feeling right now, pushing it away, being in denial, or maybe you're attaching yourself to something, trying to hold on to a pleasant thought or moment or emotion. Simply just note where you are right here, right now. Bring yourself to the sounds around you and to my voice. Today we will engage in the classic practice of noting whatever is pleasant for us whatever is unpleasant for us and what is neutral. Gently and quietly labeling whatever experience arises for you. Those of you new to the meditation practice, this may be if you have a pleasant thought or sensation in the body or memory, you just simply label pleasant. 
or if you're having discomfort, perhaps a little pain in the lower back, in the neck, you just quietly label unpleasant. And whatever else arises, which it will, but this is the practice of mindfulness meditation. Just neutral. We are not our thoughts. We are able with time and practice to learn that we can build this inner distancing, this inner witness. By taking refuge together here in our sitting practice, in the Torah, in Dharma, in God, in the Buddha nature, Buddha wisdom, and here in our Sangha, in our Vad, our Kahila, our community. Our practice is to allow presence and acceptance to flourish. You are being held. We will move into silent meditation. You will note the sounds around you. Bringing yourself back to your anchor, simply begin again.
Allow yourself another round of labeling what is pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral. Allow yourself in this last minute of silent meditation to witness if there is an opening for you. A space between the match and the fuse. If labeling things as pleasant or unpleasant or as neutral allows you to not get caught up in whatever it is, whether it's a thought or emotion or a sensation in the body. Has there been a petach, a small, kind, compassionate opening, one that you can view with a smile and curiosity? When you are ready, gently and slowly open your eyes. Join us back in this Zoom space.
live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever social media, on our YouTube page. You may join us on Insight Timer and on our website at kihilatmusar.com. I'm Rabbi Chasu Oriel Steinbauer. Delighted and grateful that you've joined us in today's teaching and practice on the Torah portion, the Hebrew Bible called Bo. And um, yes, so much, so much healing needed in the world right now. We accept donations and actually need them in order to offer this to you and offer what we do at the Institute. It is part of Jewish practice called truma, of giving donations. And in the Buddhist tradition, the Pali word called dana. So do give. You can give on our website, off of our blog. You can be in touch with us at kihilatmusar at gmail.com. And also on Insight Timer, where I am a teacher. As I said, today's teaching uh, was in sponsorship and dedicated to the community um, in Texas that is now surviving and coming out of um, a hostage situation. May there be full health and healing of body and soul and spirit uh, for that community and particularly those who um, were held hostage. We will continue with uh, the Shalach uh, later today, and it will be up on the blog and the website, Bezrat Hashem, God willing, so that we can um, catch up to where we need to be as a community to be able to do this awakening Torah, Musar, mindfulness together. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for... Um, yeah, allowing the space to be able to heal, to offer this. Um, God bless you all. And I'm grateful that you joined. And I look forward to learning and practicing with you again soon and again live. As I said, as a reminder, we will not be meeting tonight at 10 p.m. Israeli time, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time due to health reasons. Thank you.